Hey, welcome back to Beyond the Diamond. We are your hosts, Colby Rush and Hunter Broadbent. Remember to follow us on Insta at Beyond the Diamond Podcast and Twitter at Beyond the DIA Pod. Let's get right into today's show. You good? All right, we're excited to welcome on a special guest today, uh, stud shortstop, collegiate baseball, and Mac player of the week, and captain for the Fairfield Stags, Justin Greer. Thank you for, so much for stopping by today, Justin. Yeah, thank you for having me, guys. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, so let's just start with a little background, uh, where you grew up, high school, and what you're up to now. Uh, I grew up in Watertown, Connecticut, about 45 minutes from Fairfield University, where I currently go. Um, I went to Watertown High School, played four years of varsity baseball there, um, and that's a little bit about my background. All right, nice. And um, quite the week for you last week. Um, you know, not a bad start to the season at all, Colby. Uh, you know the stats more precise than I do. What exactly was it? Uh, so three home runs in the second game of the season, then one home run in the fourth, third game. Um, Four, so four total home runs. He went eight for 15, uh, 533 batting average, three stolen bases, led the team, uh, double, single. So almost almost the cycle for the weekend. Um, so your first time getting yeah. back out in the field in a while after everything in the last year. So what was your what was your thought process going in? Because whatever it was, it obviously worked. Yeah, no, it was definitely good just to get back out in the field. I mean, we just wanted to be back out there competing against somebody that wasn't our own team. We've been inter-squatting for the last couple months and throughout the whole fall and winter. So it was good to finally see somebody else out there with a different color uniform. But uh, I, I was trying to stick to my approach and kind of just do whatever, whatever I had to do to help the team. Yeah, I mean, it definitely worked. Helped the team a lot. Um, so that's awesome. Um, you also transitioned to shortstop this season or this spring. I know you played a little in the summer too. So how's that transition been for you on the arm and everything? Yeah, no, the transition hasn't been too bad. I mean, I played shortstop pretty much my whole life growing up, uh, all through high school. Um, and then I made the transition to second base my freshman year. And then I kind of went bouncing back and forth between the last two summers, between short and second. And then the coaches approached me and asked me how I felt about uh, moving over to short for a little bit. And I told them it wouldn't be a problem. I, and I think it's been successful over there. Yeah, it's definitely worked out. I mean, that play we put up on the Instagram, great double play. And a few others that uh, I missed on video, of course, but it was a great weekend. Yeah, no, it was a great weekend. I uh, I think it was awesome. Hopefully, we could bring it into the following weekend and for weekends to come. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're kind of. It seems like the expectations were there being named preseason All Mac. Um, that's obviously a great honor for you, I'm sure. Um, how did were you? Did you feel pressured by that at all? Or I mean, you seem like a pretty level-headed guy. But what was what was your thought process with with that being on the table? Or is it just one of those media things that you try to block out? Yeah, no, it's definitely an honor to be selected uh, for preseason All Conference. But um, it's something they kind of got to just block out, and it doesn't really it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It's kind of just something that there's an expectation level. But if you don't uh, succeed on the field or you don't put up numbers, then it really doesn't mean anything. So. I was just trying to go out there and play my game and do whatever I could to, uh, like I said before, help the team. Yeah, I'd say you've definitely been doing that. Um, also, another honor, you uh, were named captain as a junior this year. So what's that honor meant to you and that distinction? 
Uh, it's a great honor. I mean, my teammates selected me and three other guys to uh, to lead them into the season and especially the 2021 season after we had our 2020 canceled. You know, it's uh, it's a tough season to, to come back to, but I, I'm just humbled that they selected me, especially being a junior, um, one of the younger guys. But with the experience I have from my freshman and a little bit of my sophomore year, I think uh, I think they made a good choice in selecting myself and then Noviello along with Caruso and Danny Ryan. Yeah, that's awesome. And congratulations on that. I mean, you know, you guys, I'm sure, had plenty of people that led the led you and then you're taking the torch from them now as as you get into the upperclassmen. Um, anybody in particular that was a good leader for you when you first got to Fairfield? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, all the captains we had, even the upperclassmen, uh, especially for me, Jack Gathings kind of took me under his wing a little bit as he was another middle infielder. Um, my freshman year, he kind of showed me the ropes and the do's and do nots. And uh, he kind of just helped me along the way I, through struggles and through success. He was always there for me, no matter what it was. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Uh, I know you're hoping to do that for the middle infielders coming in next year for sure. Um, Along that line, is there anyone you try to like model your game after in the MLB or anyone like that? I wouldn't say anybody in particular. Um, I think I'm kind of just, uh, I'm just a baseball fan as it is. I, I do root for the Yankees uh, when they're on TV, but um, I'm really just a baseball fan. I know I just kind of uh, try to pick out certain guys. I like their, their game. I mean, Fernando Tatis, he's a great infielder. He loves having fun. So I like his part of the game, but I also like Mike Trout's humbleness. So I kind of try to implement a little bit of everybody into my own game. Yeah, I guess as a Yankee fan growing up, Derek Cheater probably would have been the easy answer there. So that's yeah, it's good that you had a little more creativity. Yeah. Um, so last season, um, obviously COVID shut down the year. Uh, the year I know it was especially shocking for you guys because it was as you guys were at Chipotle getting off the bus to eat. So like, what was it like getting that news and then what happened after? Uh, yeah, like you said, we were at, at Chipotle on a bus ride over um, and it was kind of, it was devastating. You know, we didn't, weren't even off the bus yet. And coach kind of came over to us and said, guys, uh, it's, I got some tough news for you. We're, season's going to be canceled. Um, it's not going to be just us. We think it's going to be all across the nation. And honestly, at first we didn't really understand why. Um, we had gotten an email a couple hours before saying classes were going to be online for two weeks. And we were just kind of like everybody else. So we were excited that we weren't going to have to go to in-person classes, but now we're sitting here a year later and we're still in the same situation, but we, uh, it was upsetting. We had to say goodbye to seniors that we didn't think were going to come back. And uh, we ended up getting a couple of them to come back for this season, but it was just shocking and it was a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, that's, I mean, it was just so apocalyptic. So that's a question that we've asked almost everybody that we've interviewed here, just because it's such an interesting perspective to see like how everybody else took the news. Um, just, yeah, it was just shocking. Um, how did you stay in shape during the quarantine? I mean, it seems like a lot of people found a gym with their buddies that they could, you know, throw a ball around in. But what was that process like for you? Um, such a crazy time for those, you know, March through, well, pretty much the whole summer. <laughs> Yeah, no, um, it was, it was tough. I mean, I didn't really know what I was going to do at first. Um, I trained privately with, uh, with a private trainer, but he had to shut down because of COVID, um, much like everybody else did. 
So I ended up getting into like a small weight room that was in a mechanic shop um, about 10 minutes from my house in Thomaston, Connecticut. And um, the owner of the facility, he let me use whatever leftover weights he had. So I mean, I think I had uh, some 10s, 15s, 25s, and I think I had like a pair of 70s or something. And there was a cable machine and that was really all I had. So I kind of just made do with that. But from a baseball standpoint, um, my dad and I had built a batting cage in, the, in my backyard um, when I was about 12 years old. And then when I left for college, I never really put it back up because of the, the weather. And plus I was never really home between playing in the fall, going home for only a month in the winter, playing through the whole spring and then the whole summer. It hadn't been up in a couple of years, but we finally found use for it. And so I hung that back up and I did whatever I could there, hit off the tee, did soft toss and uh, got BP and live pitching whenever I could. I'm very envious of the backyard cage. Um, <laughs> something I'm going to try to do for my kids. But um, yeah, it's it's good. You're able to at least find something. And even though it's not perfect, it seems like it's still better than a lot of people had. So, um, you know, as long as you can get a little workout in, that's, that's the most important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and um, I mean, obviously you did something over the summer because it's showing right now. But is there anything like specific you did over the summer or winter that, you've noticed has made a big change in your game? Um, I mostly focus on my mental game. You know, it's especially with, uh, with COVID and everything, we read a book, um, Heads Up Baseball as a team. And I really uh, took that book to heart. You know, it really kind of resonated with me and it talked about a lot about the mental side of baseball and how we should approach everything and really kind of just let go of the uncontrollables and control whatever we can control. So I kind of took that to heart and I, really just focused on my whole mental side to kind of cut out the whole, no, I wouldn't say cut out the whole physical side, but I tried to limit the amount of physical um, mechanical issues that I tried to have compared to the mental side and really just honed in on making myself more mentally capable in the batter's box and both defensively. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. Get that stuff figured out in the summer. So then you get back to fall ball, you have plenty of time to work on mechanics then. Absolutely. Yeah, and as they say, baseball is ninety percent mental, ten percent physical. So that's correct. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if you're not prepared mentally, then it's hard to be prepared physically. Yeah. Um, so speaking of the summer, you played in the Connecticut Collegiate Baseball League. Uh, Colby said, um, "What was your experience uh, like with that and winning the championship?" Yeah, the the CCBL was a great experience. You know, I played with a lot of guys that I normally wouldn't have played with a lot of local guys from Connecticut that I've actually never met before that play division one, two, and three. So I, I met a bunch of new players and uh, I actually was coached by my previous Legion coaches, um, Scott Olette and uh, Belch. So he, uh, they kind of told me about the league. They said, Hey, we're still going to be playing. So if you want a spot on the roster, you know, just, just come out and you'll have a spot. So I went out to practice and, I ended up playing with some of the best guys in, in Connecticut, and it was a great experience. Winning the championship, we uh, we definitely had the most talented team, and we showed it in the championship throughout the whole season. Yeah, and I know you played with two of your Fairfield teammates, uh, Charlie and Ethan. Um, was there anything special like winning it with them as opposed to having no one from Fairfield there? Yeah, no, it was definitely a cool experience having them there. Um, especially Pags being another infielder. Um, I kind of got to work with him a little bit more since he only had 11 games under his belt. Um, it was nice to see him 
grow more throughout the whole season. And then even with Hebert, I saw him grow as a catcher and he became so, so much more athletic. And I really got to know him a lot more um, throughout the whole summer. It's awesome. Connecticut is such an underrated baseball state. I feel like it doesn't get enough love. I mean, we got the guys here in stores and Fairfield, there's a wealth of talent as well. Um, nothing you need to answer there. I'm just adding in. I feel like not enough people realize how good Connecticut of a base, how good of a baseball state Connecticut is. No, yeah, you're right. I think, uh, I think it's a great, great state for, for baseball talent. I mean, we, uh, like you said, we're so underrated and we have guys that play all over, all over the country. You know, we, uh, everybody's diverse between D1, 2, and 3, but uh, I think that there's a wealth of talent between Connecticut and uh, I think we've been able to show it over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, another thing with the mental part of the game. So I know you wear the uh, whoop band. Is Have you noticed anything change with like your recovery and anything and how you look at that because of the band? Yeah, you know, I just started wearing the whoop strap, um, I'd say about two weeks ago. And uh, I've been wanting to get one for the last couple of years. My uh, recent teammate last year, Kyle, he convinced me to uh, to finally pull the trigger on it. So I've been wearing that. And I think it, uh, it definitely helps with uh, understanding your recovery and really kind of puts you in perspective how much sleep you, you actually need in order to recover. Um, you know, you always say you try to get eight hours, but you never actually seems like I can never get eight hours, but especially now with it being tracked, I can always check on it every morning. And uh, it really helped me perform throughout the day. And when it, when it says I'm not recovered, I really do feel like I'm not recovered, especially now wearing it and actually seeing the number. Um, it really does make a difference. Yeah, I like to say every uh, good baseball player wears one of those. So your evidence of that. Yeah. I mean, we got everything to get the numbers on the baseball standpoint with our Rapsodos and TrackMan and PitchFX or whatnot. So it's nice to be able to have that analysis of what your body's like, because at the end of the day, that's really the most important thing because you as the player need to go out there and perform. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, I think it's a great tool. And I would recommend it to anybody. Um, I had an Apple Watch before it and it was kind of hard to play with the Apple Watch, but now during in-game, I'm able to wear the whoop strap and I haven't had any issues with it. So I think it's a great tool and it uh, really helps me understand my body more. I've been looking into it too. It's, it seems awesome. Yeah. Uh, so let's turn back the clock a little bit here, kind of drastically changing subjects from that. But um, what was your transition like from high school to college? How tough was it? Like, you know, moving from the high school pitchers where, you know, maybe they'll touch 90, but they have no idea where it's going to college pitchers where they got a real good idea what they're doing. Um, so what was that like for you? Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a difficult transition at first, you know, you, everybody comes in your freshman year and you always think you're the best player that there is. And then you start playing with some, some actual men and you're an 18 year old kid, you come in and then you're playing against 22, 23 year old guys. And it's a tough transition, especially if you're not mentally prepared, like I said before. Um, but you know, you, you grow as a player and especially the older guys, they take you under your wing and they, uh, they kind of help you along the way, but it's definitely a, a kick in the butt and, but it's a good kick in the butt, you know, you really need it to kind of humble yourself and you have to prove yourself. You got to really show what you got and what you're capable of doing. He's very humble when he says that. He also has the second most hits as a rookie, so. Hey, it's just like we said with the other stuff, he's doing something, right? So <laughs> listen in, people. Yeah. 
Um, what was the what was the recruiting process like for you? Yeah, um, it, it's interesting because I actually really enjoyed the recruiting process. A lot of guys say that they it was the worst time in their lives, but I think it was really fun going to see different schools and talk to different coaches and get their perspectives on you as a player. Um, so I really learned a lot about myself from the eyes of other coaches. So I, uh, I had looks from UConn, URI, Bryant, uh, St. John's. Um, Fairfield was my second offer and it was uh, an offer I couldn't deny. So I, I definitely went with them. But my first time I stepped on Fairfield's campus, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the coaching staff, the, the facilities, the field, and even the, the players on the team at the time. You know, it seemed like I was already part of the team when I came for my visit. So it was definitely something that as soon as I got on campus, I knew I wanted to be here. It's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And um, obviously another big part of that must have been, I'm sure they probably told you you'd be getting plenty of playing time as a freshman as is clear by the amount of hits you had that year. Um, was that a big factor for you? Uh, obviously you don't want to sit on the sidelines very long, but did you yeah, take that uh, into account? Yeah, I definitely wanted to play my freshman year. Um, I didn't want it just to be given to me. I wanted to earn it. Um, but just them saying like, Hey, if you have the, if you have what it takes, you're going to apply. Like we think you're one of the best middle infielders in the state for your class. So we definitely want you to come here and you'll have the opportunity to play just like everybody else. But we definitely think you're able to do it. And, uh, I was able to prove myself enough to to earn an opening spot, opening day spot. And I played second base for, I say three quarters of the season. And, uh, I think it worked out well for, for myself and the team, even though we fell one game short in the MAC championship. But you know, we're, I take that experience into last year and this year, and hopefully we can work on that and hopefully win a MAC championship this year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we got the team to do it. Yeah, definitely. I think we have a lot of talent. And uh, even with older guys, a lot of experience and able to help the younger guys. Um, play their first conference weekend, you know, that we just had. So it's, it's going to be good for everybody to kind of get back on the field and probably get out there and compete again. Yeah. Um, did you, did you have any like role models growing up? Like which uh, your dad was probably one, but was there anyone else for you? Yeah. Um, it's funny. Cause my, the whole reason I started playing baseball was because of my brother. Um, he was nine years older than me. Um, and he played baseball growing up and, you know, I just wanted to be just like my brother. So I, when I was three or four years old, I grabbed his, uh, his glove out of the garage and grabbed the ball and started throwing it against the pitch back in the backyard. And you know, the rest was history. I just, uh, I kept at it and he played up, up through senior year of high school. And then I was able to follow in his footsteps and he helped train me growing up. And then I was able to finally take off and move on to some bigger and better uh, opportunities with coaches and teams and but I definitely thank him for a lot of the, uh, the experiences I had through playing baseball. It's awesome to see those family connections. It's always cool. And yeah, the pitchbacks are a godsend. I think I had to get about seven new ones over the course of me growing up just from the amount I used them, but I um, still have mine in my backyard. Yeah, they're definitely great tools. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I used to stay out there for hours and throw against it. And it was, uh, it was a lot of fun kind of just being outside and not stuck in the house doing nothing. So. Yeah, great time in my childhood. Um, did you play multiple sports growing up or were you just a baseball guy? 
I was mostly a baseball guy. Um, I experimented when I was younger with different sports. I played basketball for one fall. I played soccer for one fall, um, but I was always baseball true at heart. My senior or my freshman year of high school, I did indoor track kind of just to stay in shape and get my running mechanics down. But I did that freshman, sophomore year, but then I really started focusing on baseball and I always grew up loving baseball and really that was about it. Yeah, so we, we've asked this to a lot of our uh, guests. Like nowadays, kids, parents have kids focus on one sport only and then kids tend to get sick of that sport. Would you say it's better to try multiple sports out and f- see which one you love or just to go after that one sport you think you love? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's good to play multiple sports and be an overall athlete growing up. Um, if your child says, hey, like, I want to play this sport and that's it, then obviously I would let them. But um, I would encourage to be an athlete and kind of just play all different sports up until high school. And then once high school comes around, I would recommend to kind of start honing in on a sport and really get your weightlifting down and your, your running mechanics and stuff like that, whatever your sport may be. Um, and really focus on that one sport, especially if you plan on playing it in college. Yeah. And I like your idea of doing track too. I think more people should take advantage of that. Um, you know, we've seen plenty of guys throughout baseball that their running game isn't that good. So I think if, if more people did that, we'd be in a better place. So props yeah. to you there. Uh, it definitely helped me. I think I, uh, I was able to drop my 60 time from a seven, four to a six, eight from just from track. And I think I kind of just learned some running mechanics and uh, I really just started running more and I got stronger and I was able to uh, move faster. Yeah, I think obviously a big part is getting jumps, but if you don't have the speed either, well, you can get a good, if you get a good jump, you can not be fast, but if you have speed, then you can get an okay jump and still be safe. Yeah, you're more more likely to be safe with a, even if you have mediocre jump, the faster you are, even first to thirds or second to homes, you know, it's, or beating out that ground ball, that chopper up the middle, that having that 4-1 speed to first base, it's uh, it's definitely crucial. It'll add a couple more hits to your resume. And uh, in the end, you never know, it could help your team win as baseball is a game of inches. We took the words right out of my mouth. I was just about to say that exact thing. <laughs> yeah, we have both those guys on our team, Mike Caruso and Danny Ryan are two of the best ball readers I've ever seen. And Mike Handel has the slowest reaction time I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, we definitely have some guys that can, that can move around the bases um, and that they're not necessarily the fastest. Like you said, Caruso and Danny Ryan are not the fastest on the team, but they definitely get the best reads and uh, they're, uh, they're great assets to the team and great assets on the bases. Handel can, uh, Handel sometimes gets back picked at first base during practice. <laughs> He's been good in practice. Hey, as long as he limited to practice, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Justin led the team in stolen bases and not like he's the fastest guy on the team, but he's got great reads. Yeah, definitely. Just got to, just got to get good reads and be aware on the base paths. That's all. That's the key. Yeah. Dirt ball reads. Dirt ball reads is what yes. I got. Um, so I've, I've heard whisperings that a lot of guys have said last year having well, it sucked getting the season cut off. It helped them in the long run because they were able to work on more things and have like that mental break and all that. Do you think that helped you too? Um, I wouldn't say it necessarily helped me. It was definitely, um, at first it was a challenge kind of not knowing going forward what, to, what we were going to do, but um, I was able to make the most of it, I think. Um, obviously would have loved to play the whole season and see where we have gone. But um, 
you know, the, just the time that we were able, the extra time we were able to take to work on things. Um, it was definitely a benefit to the season and having that mental break kind of for your mind and that physical break for your body. Um, that definitely helped out too. But the, uh, I definitely wish we were able to play that whole season as I think most of our teammates would agree that playing a full season would have been a lot more fun than sitting inside in quarantine. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, but it's clear that, you know, people separate themselves, the men from the boys. Um, it was all on your motivation. And, you know, you obviously did great with that. Didn't fall into the trap that other people have of just watching Netflix too much. Um, but yeah, uh, it wasn't an opportunity anybody wanted, but you could make the most of it and make yourself a better person because of it. So I think that's a great perspective you had on it. Um. And then I know over this winter, I've, I saw a lot of stuff with you uh, doing a lot of deadlifts and stuff. And do you think that a lot of those, uh, those, the big three exercises or whatever with resistance bands added with the weight, do you think that benefits you as an athlete? Yeah, I think, uh, I, I, like I said before, I trained privately with, uh, with a trainer and he has sports performance. Um, so he's really taught me a lot about lifting. And like I said before, getting faster, getting stronger. It all translates over, but as in terms of like variable resistance, um, speed work with bands and stuff like that, I think that's definitely a crucial point in everybody's game that they should incorporate. You know, there's uh, different phases of lifting that you go through um, throughout a year, and those phases correlate to the time you have when you when the first game starts and how well you want to perform and how fresh you want to be out the gate. So I definitely think that lifting in general is a necessity to playing baseball and um, especially the speed side of it with bands and uh, uh, speed deadlift, speed row, anything you want to, anything you want to incorporate in, in your uh, lifting schedule. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's all we have for you. So um, thanks for coming on, Justin, unless you have anything else on it. Yeah, no, um, I was just looking through to see if I had anything else, but I think we covered it all. Thank you, Justin. That was an awesome interview, and we really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll go, go Stags, and hopefully we can take home that championship. Thank you, boys. Yeah, yeah. thanks. I'll see you down the road if you come to stores. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. See ya. All right, so. Um, all right. Yeah, that was, that was an awesome interview. Perfect. Quite the week for you last week. Um, you know, not a bad start to the season at all, Colby. Uh, you know the stats more precise than I do. What exactly was it? Uh, so three home runs in the second game of the season, then one home run in the fourth, third game. Um, four, so four total home runs. He went eight for 15, uh, 533 batting average, three stolen bases, led the team, uh, double, single. So almost, almost the cycle for the weekend. Um, yeah. So your first time getting yeah. back out in the field in a while after everything the last year. So what was your, what was your thought process going in? Because whatever it was, it obviously worked. Yeah, no, it was definitely good just to get back out in the field. I mean, we just wanted to be back out there competing against somebody that wasn't our own team. We've been inter-squatting for the last couple months and throughout the whole fall and winter. So it was good to finally see somebody else out there with a different color uniform. But uh, I, I was trying to stick to my approach and kind of just do whatever, whatever I had to do to help the team. Yeah, I mean, it definitely worked. Helped the team a lot. Um, so that's awesome. Um, you also transitioned to shortstop this season or this spring. I know you played a little in the summer too. So 
how's that transition been for you on the arm and everything? Yeah, no, the transition hasn't been too bad. I mean, I played shortstop pretty much my whole life growing up uh, all through high school. Um, and then I made the transition to second base my freshman year. And then I kind of went bouncing back and forth between the last two summers between short and second. And then the coaches approached me and asked me how I felt about uh, moving over to short for a little bit. And I told them it wouldn't be a problem. I, and I think it's been successful over there. Yeah, it's definitely worked out. I mean, that play we put up on the Instagram, great double play. You had a few others that uh, I missed on video, of course, but it was a great weekend. Yeah, no, it was a great weekend. I, uh, I think it was awesome. Hopefully we could bring it into the following weekend and for weekends to come. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're kind of, it seems like the expectations were there being named preseason All-Mac. Um, that's obviously a great honor for you, I'm sure. Um, how did, were you, did you feel pressured by that at all? Or, I mean, you seem like a pretty level-headed guy, but what was, what was your thought process with, with that being on the table? Or is it just one of those media things that you try to block out? Yeah, no, it's definitely an honor to be selected uh, for preseason all-conference, but um, it's something they kind of got to just block out. And it doesn't really, doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It's kind of just something that there's an expectation level, but if you don't uh, succeed on the field or you don't put up numbers, then it really doesn't mean anything. So I was just trying to go out there and play my game and do whatever I could to, uh, like I said before, help the team. Yeah, I'd say you've definitely been doing that. Um, also, another honor you uh, were named captain as a junior this year. So what's that honor meant to you and that distinction? Uh, it's a great honor. I mean, my teammates selected me and three other guys to, uh, to lead them into the season and especially the 2021 season after we had our 2020 canceled, you know, it's uh, it's a tough season to, to come back to, but I, I'm just humbled that they selected me, especially being a junior, um, one of the younger guys, but with the experience I have from my freshman and a little bit of my sophomore year, I think uh, I think they made a good choice in selecting myself and then Noviello, along with Caruso and Andy Ryan. Yeah, that's awesome. And congratulations on that. I mean, you know, you guys, I'm sure, had plenty of people that led the led you and then you're taking the torch from them now as as you get into the upperclassmen. Um, anybody in particular that was a good leader for you when you first got to Fairfield? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, all the captains we had, even the upperclassmen, uh, especially for me, Jack Gathings kind of took me under his wing a little bit as he was another middle infielder. Um, my freshman year, he kind of showed me the ropes and the do's and do nots. And uh, he kind of just helped me along the way I, through struggles and through success. He was always there for me no matter what it was. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Uh, I know you're hoping to do that for the middle infielders coming in next year for sure. Um, Along that line, is there anyone you try to like model your game after in the MLB or anyone like that? I wouldn't say anybody in particular. Um, I think I'm kind of just, uh, I'm just a baseball fan as it is. I, I do root for the Yankees uh, when they're on TV, but um, I'm really just a baseball fan. I know I just kind of uh, try to pick out certain guys. I like their, their game. I mean, Fernando Tatis, he's a great infielder. He loves having fun. So I like his part of the game, but I also like Mike Trout's humbleness. So I kind of try to implement a little bit of everybody into my own game. Yeah, I guess as a Yankee fan growing up, Derek Cheater probably would have been the easy answer there. So that's yeah, it's good that you had a little more creativity. Yeah. Um, so last season, um, obviously COVID shut down the year. Uh, the year. I know it was 
especially shocking for you guys because it was as you guys were at Chipotle getting off the bus to eat. So, like, what was it like getting that news and then what happened after? Uh, yeah, like you said, we were at, at Chipotle on a bus ride over um, and it was kind of, it was devastating. You know, we didn't, weren't even off the bus yet and coach kind of came over to us and said, guys, uh, it's, I got some tough news for you. We're, season's going to be canceled. Um, it's not going to be just us. We think it's going to be all across the nation. And honestly, at first, we didn't really understand why. Um, we had gotten an email a couple hours before saying classes were going to be online for two weeks. And we were just kind of like everybody else. So we were excited that we weren't going to have to go to in-person classes. But now we're sitting here a year later and we're still in the same situation. But we, uh, it was upsetting. We had to say goodbye to seniors that we didn't think were going to come back. And uh, we ended up getting a couple of them to come back for this season. But it was just shocking and it was a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, that's, I mean, it was just so apocalyptic. So that's a question that we've asked almost everybody we've interviewed here, just because it's such an interesting perspective to see like how everybody else took the news. Um, just, yeah, it was just shocking. Um, how did you stay in shape during the quarantine? I mean, it seems like a lot of people found a gym with their buddies that they could, you know, throw a ball around in. But what was that process like for you? Um, such a crazy time for those, you know, March through, well, pretty much the whole summer. Yeah. No, um, it was, it was tough. I mean, I didn't really know what I was going to do at first. Um, I trained privately with, uh, with a private trainer, but he had to shut down because of COVID, um, much like everybody else did. So I ended up getting into like a small weight room that was in a mechanic shop, um, about 10 minutes from my house in Thomaston, Connecticut. And, um, the owner of the facility, he let me use whatever leftover weights he had. So, I mean, I think I had, uh, some tens, 15s, 25s and I think I had like a pair of 70s or something and there was a cable machine and that was really all I had so I kind of just made do with that but from a baseball standpoint um, my dad and I had built a batting cage in, the, in my backyard um, when I was about 12 years old and then when I left for college I never really put it back up because of the, the weather and plus I was never really home between playing in the fall going home for only a month in the winter playing through the whole spring and then the whole summer it hadn't been up in a couple of years, but we finally found use for it. And so I hung that back up and I did whatever I could there, hit off the tee, did soft toss and uh, got BP and live pitching whenever I could. I'm very envious of the backyard cage. Um, <laughs> something I'm going to try to do for my kids, but um, yeah, it's, it's good. You're able to at least find something. And even though it's not perfect, it seems like it's still better than a lot of people had. So um you know, as long as you can get a little workout in, that's, that's the most important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, I mean, obviously you did something over the summer because it's showing right now, but is there anything like specific you did over the summer or winter that you've noticed has made a big change in your game? Um, I mostly focus on my mental game, you know, it's especially with, uh, with COVID and everything. We read a book, um, Heads Up Baseball as a team. And I really uh, took that book to heart. You know, it really kind of resonated with me and it talked about a lot about the mental side of baseball and how we should approach everything and really kind of just let go of the uncontrollables and control whatever we can control. So I kind of took that to heart and I really just focused on my whole mental side, kind of cut out the whole, no, I wouldn't say cut out the whole physical side, but I tried to limit the amount of physical um, mechanical issues that I tried to have compared to the mental side and really just honed in on making myself more 
mentally capable in the batter's box and both defensively. Yeah, definitely awesome. work. Get that stuff figured out in the summer. So then you get back to fall ball. You have plenty of time to work on mechanics then. Absolutely. Yeah. And as they say, baseball is 90% mental, 10% physical. So that's correct. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if you're not prepared mentally, then it's hard to be prepared physically. Yeah. Um, so speaking of the summer, you played in the Connecticut Collegiate Baseball League, uh, Colby said. Um, what was your experience uh, like with that and winning the championship? Yeah, the, the CCBL was a great experience. You know, I played with a lot of guys that I normally wouldn't have played with. A lot of local guys from Connecticut that I've actually never met before that play Division One, Two, and Three. So I, I met a bunch of new players, and uh, I actually was coached by my previous Legion coaches, um, Scott Olette and uh, Belch. So he, uh, they kind of told me about the league. They said, hey, we're still going to be playing. So if you want a spot on the roster, you know, just – just come out and you'll have a spot. So I went out to practice and I ended up playing with some of the best guys in, in Connecticut. And it was a great experience winning the championship. We, uh, we definitely had the most talented team and we showed it in the championship throughout the whole season. Yeah. And I know you played with two of your Fairfield teammates, uh, Charlie and Ethan. Um, was there anything special like winning it with them as opposed to having no one from Fairfield there? Yeah, no, it was definitely a cool experience having them there, um, especially Pags being another infielder. Um, I kind of got to work with him a little bit more since he only had 11 games under his belt. Um, it was nice to see him grow more throughout the whole season. And then even with Hebert, I saw him grow as a catcher and he became so, so much more athletic. And I really got to know him a lot more um, throughout the whole summer. It's awesome. Connecticut is such an underrated baseball state I feel like it doesn't get enough love I mean we got the guys here in stores and Fairfield there's a wealth of talent as well um nothing you need to answer there I'm just adding in I feel like not enough people realize how good Connecticut of a base how good of a baseball state Connecticut is no yeah you're right I think uh I think it's a great great state for for baseball talent I mean we uh like you said we're so underrated and we have guys that play all over, all over the country you know we uh everybody's diverse between D1, 2, and 3, but uh, I think that there's a wealth of talent between Connecticut, and uh, I think we've been able to show it over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, another thing with the mental part of the game, so I know you wear the uh, whoop band. Is Have you noticed anything change with, like, your recovery and anything and how you look at that because of the band? Yeah, you know, I just started wearing the whoop strap, um, I'd say about two weeks ago, and uh, – I've been wanting to get one for the last couple of years. My uh, recent teammate last year, Kyle, he convinced me to uh, to finally pull the trigger on it. So I've been wearing that, and I think it uh, it definitely helps with uh, understanding your recovery and really kind of puts you in perspective how much sleep you you actually need in order to recover. Um, you know, you always say you try to get eight hours, but you never actually. It seems like I can never get eight hours, but especially now with it being tracked, I can always check on it every morning and. Uh, it really helped me perform throughout the day. And when it, when it says I'm not recovered, I really do feel like I'm not recovered, especially now wearing it and actually seeing the number. Um, it really does make a difference. Yeah. I like to say every uh, good baseball player wears one of those. So your evidence of that. Yeah. I mean, we got everything to get the numbers on the baseball standpoint with our rap sodos and 
TrackMan and PitchFX or whatnot. So it's nice to be able to have that analysis of what your body's like, because at the end of the day, that's really the most important thing because you as the player need to go out there and perform. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, I think it's a great tool and I would recommend it to anybody. Um, I had an Apple watch before it and it was kind of hard to play with the Apple watch, but now during in game, I, I'm able to wear the whoop strap and I haven't had any issues with it. So I think it's a great tool and it uh, really helps me understand my body more. Yeah. I've been looking into it too. It's, it seems awesome. Yeah. Uh, so let's turn back the clock a little bit here, kind of drastically changing subjects from that. But um, what was your transition like from high school to college? How tough was it? Like, you know, moving from the high school pitchers where, you know, maybe they'll touch 90, but they have no idea where it's going to college pitchers where they got a real good idea what they're doing. Um, so what was that like for you? Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a difficult transition at first, you know, you, everybody comes in your freshman year and you always think you're the best player that there is. And then you start playing with some, some actual men and you're an 18 year old kid, you come in and then you're playing against 22, 23 year old guys. And it's a tough transition, especially if you're not mentally prepared, like I said before. Um, but you know, you, you grow as a player and especially the older guys, they take you under your wing and they, uh, they kind of help you along the way, but it's definitely, uh, a kick in the butt and but it's a good kick in the butt you know you really need it to kind of humble yourself and prove, you have to prove yourself you gotta really show what you got and what you're capable of doing he's very humble when he says that he also has the second most hits as a rookie so hey it's just like we said with the other stuff he's doing something right so <laughs> listen in people yeah um what was the what was the recruiting process like for you yeah, um, it, it's interesting because I actually really enjoyed the recruiting process. A lot of guys say that they it was the worst time in their lives, but I think it was really fun going to see different schools and talk to different coaches and get their perspectives on you as a player. Um, so I really learned a lot about myself from the eyes of other coaches. So I, uh, I had looks from UConn, URI, Bryant, uh, St. John's. Um, Fairfield was my second offer, and it was uh, an offer I couldn't deny. So I I definitely went with them, but my first time I stepped on Fairfield's campus, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the coaching staff, the, the facilities, the field, and even the, the players on the team at the time. You know, it seemed like I was already part of the team when I came for my visit. So it was definitely something that as soon as I got on campus, I knew I wanted to be here. It's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And um, obviously another big part of that must have been, I'm sure they probably told you you'd be getting plenty of playing time as a freshman as is clear by the amount of hits you had that year. Um, was that a big factor for you? Uh, obviously you don't want to sit on the sidelines very long, but did you yeah, take that into account? Yeah, I definitely wanted to play my freshman year. Um, I didn't want it just to be given to me. I wanted to earn it. Um, but just them saying like, Hey, if you have the, if you have what it takes, you're going to apply. Like we think you're one of the best middle infielders in the state for your class. So we definitely want you to come here and you'll have the opportunity to play just like everybody else. But we definitely think you're able to do it. And, uh, I was able to prove myself enough to to earn the opening spot, opening day spot. And I played second base for, I'd say, three quarters of the season. And uh, I think it worked out well for, for myself and the team, even though we fell one game short in the MAC championship. But, you know, we're, I take that experience into last year and this year, and hopefully we can work on that and hopefully win a MAC championship this year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we got the team to do it. Yeah, definitely. I think we have a lot of talent and uh, 
even with older guys, a lot of experience and able to help the younger guys um, play their first conference weekend, you know, that we just had. So it's, it's going to be good for everybody to kind of get back on the field and try and get out there and compete again. Yeah. Um, did you, did you have any like role models growing up? Like which, uh, your dad was probably one, but was there anyone else for you? Yeah. Um, it's funny because my, the whole reason I started playing baseball was because of my brother. Um, he was nine years older than me. Um, and he played baseball growing up and, you know, I just wanted to be just like my brother. So I, when I was three or four years old, I grabbed his, uh, his glove out of the garage and grabbed the ball and started throwing it against the pitch back in the backyard. And you know, the rest was history. I just, uh, I kept at it and he played up, up through senior year of high school. And then I was able to follow in his footsteps and he helped train me growing up. And then I was able to finally take off and move on to some bigger and better uh, opportunities with coaches and teams. And, but I definitely thank him for a lot of the, uh, the experiences that I had through playing baseball. Awesome. I love to see those family connections. It's always cool. And yeah, the pitchbacks are a godsend. I think I had to get about seven new ones over the course of me growing up just from the amount I used them. But um, I still have mine in my backyard. Yeah, they're definitely great tools. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I used to stay out there for hours and throw against it. And it was, uh, it was a lot of fun kind of just being outside and not stuck in the house doing nothing. So yeah, great time in my childhood. Um, did you play multiple sports growing up or were you just a baseball guy? I was mostly a baseball guy. Um, I experimented when I was younger with different sports. I played basketball for one fall. I played soccer for one fall, um, but I was always baseball true at heart. My senior, my freshman year of high school, I did indoor track kind of just to stay in shape and, and get my running mechanics down but I did that freshman sophomore year but then I really started focusing on baseball and I always grew up loving baseball and really that was about it yeah so we uh, we've asked this to a lot of our uh, guests like nowadays kids parents have kids focus on one sport only and then kids tend to get sick of that sport would you say it's better to try multiple sports out and f see which one you love or just to go after that one sport you think you love yeah, I think it's it's good to play multiple sports and be an overall athlete growing up. Um, if your child says, hey, like, I want to play this sport and that's it, then obviously I would let them. But um, I would encourage to be an athlete and kind of just play all different sports up until high school. And then once high school comes around, I would recommend to kind of start honing in on a sport and really get your weightlifting down and your, your running mechanics and stuff like that, whatever your sport may be. Um, and really focus on that one sport, especially if you plan on playing it in college. Yeah, and I like your idea of doing track too. I think more people should take advantage of that. Um, you know, we've seen plenty of guys throughout baseball that their running game isn't that good. So I think if, if more people did that, we'd be in a better place. So props yeah. to you there. Uh, it definitely helped me, I think. I, uh, I was able to drop my 60 time from a 7.4 to a 6.8 from just from track. And I think I kind of just learned some running mechanics and uh, I really just started running more and I got stronger and I was able to uh, move faster. Yeah, I think obviously a big part is getting jumps, but if you don't have the speed either, well, you can get a good, if you get a good jump, you can not be fast, but if you have speed, then you can get an okay jump and still be safe. Yeah, you're more, more likely to be safe with a, even if you have mediocre jump, faster you are, even first to thirds or second to homes, you know, it's, or beating out that ground ball, that chopper up the middle, that having that 4-1 speed to first base, it's, uh, 
is definitely crucial. It'll add a couple more hits to your resume. And uh, in the end, you never know, it could help your team win as baseball is a game of inches. We took the words right out of my mouth. I was just about to say that exact thing. Yeah, we have both those guys on our team. Mike Caruso and Danny Ryan are two of the best ball readers I've ever seen. And Mike Handel has the slowest reaction time I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, we definitely have some guys that can, that can move around the bases um, and that they're not necessarily the fastest. Like you said, Caruso and Danny Ryan are not the fastest on the team, but they definitely get the best reads and uh, they're, uh, they're great assets to the team and great assets on the bases. Handel can uh, handle sometimes gets back picked at first base during practice. <laughs> He's been good in practice. Hey, as long as he limits to practice, you're good. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, Justin led the team in stolen bases. and not like he's the fastest guy on the team, but he's got great reads. Yeah, definitely. Just got just to gotta get good reads and be aware on the base paths. That's all. That's the key. Yeah. Dirt ball reads. Dirt ball reads is what yes. I got to um, So I've, I've heard whisperings that a lot of guys have said last year having, well, it sucked getting the season cut off. It helped them in the long run because they were able to work on more things and have like that – mental break and all that do you think that helped you too um I wouldn't say it necessarily helped me it was definitely um at first it was a challenge kind of not knowing going forward what to, what we we're going to do but um I was able to make the most of it I think um obviously would have loved to play the whole season and see where we have gone but um yeah the, just the time that we were able the extra time we were able to take to work on things um, it was definitely a benefit to this season and having that mental break kind of for your mind and that physical break for your body. Um, that definitely helped out too. But the, uh, I definitely wish we were able to play that whole season as I think most of our teammates would agree that playing a full season would have been a lot more fun than sitting inside in quarantine. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. Um, but it's clear that, you know, people separate themselves, the men from the boys. Um, it was all on your motivation and, you know, you obviously did great with that. Didn't fall into the trap that other people have of just watching Netflix too much. Um, but yeah, uh, it wasn't an opportunity anybody wanted, but you could make the most of it and make yourself a better person because of it. So I think that's a great perspective you had on it. Um, and then I know over this winter, I've, I saw a lot of stuff with you uh, doing a lot of deadlifts and stuff and, do you think that a lot of those, uh, those the big three exercises or whatever with resistance bands added with the weight, do you think that benefits you as an athlete? Yeah, I think, uh, I, I, like I said before, I trained privately with, uh, with a trainer, NES Sports Performance. Um, so he's really taught me a lot about lifting. And like I said before, getting faster, getting stronger, it all translates over. But as in terms of like variable resistance, um, speed work with bands and stuff like that i think that's definitely a crucial point in everybody's game that they should incorporate you know there's uh different phases of lifting that you go through um throughout a year and those phases correlate to the timing you have when you when the first game starts and how well you want to perform and how fresh you want to be out the gate so i definitely think that lifting in general is a necessity to playing baseball and um, especially the speed side of it with bands and uh uh, speed deadlift, speed row, anything you want to, anything you want to incorporate in your uh, lifting schedule. Thank you, Justin. That was an awesome interview and we really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll go, go stags and hopefully we can take home back championship. Thank you boys. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. I'll see you down the road. If you come to stores. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. See ya.
All right. That was good. Yeah, that was awesome. Like I said, he's a stud. Um, so, I mean, there's not much. You can see he – not many guys understand the mental side of it, even at that level, which is surprising. But he clearly is more, even more into the mental than the physical. He's incorporated everything. I mean, starting from high school, playing track, you know, getting that side of his body all set, working on himself during quarantine in the private gym with – you know, as good of a quarantine setup as anybody could have. And then, you know, now his, his baseball skills are more than fine-tuned. Um, so, yeah, he's just – he's covering all the bases all around. So you love to see a guy like that that puts in the work, have the success translate, and that's quite the opening weekend. Yeah, I didn't even mention it, but that double play we posted on the Instagram, if you watch it closely – and I, I should have slowed it down, but watch his feet. He's turning that one himself that's a grounder up the middle, but – his feet are perfect. Like he works on that every day. I watch him. He stays after for an hour at least every day just to work on his footwork. That's dedication. All right, people go out there, check out the Fairfield Instagram screen, record it and slow it down. Yeah. That's that's what a lot of our guys will do to uh, take a more in-depth look at their stuff. It's, it's a good way to do it. I tend to slow it down. I tend to slow it down for him and then text it to him. But yeah, no, you're right. It's the footwork's, as a middle infielder, footwork's probably – well, you got to have fast hands, but foot, footwork's probably the second most important thing. Oh, yeah. It's it's no different from base running. you got to know how to twinkle your toes around that base or else you're going to be screwed. So, yeah, glad to see that he's got yeah. that down. And Sure. Yeah. Nice to yeah, see base more. running. We should have we asked him about the crossover versus the pivot because that crossover is something like at our age we were taught like when we were younger. But yeah. the piv- and then when we got older, pivot was more incorporated in high school. Mm-hmm. And now college, all they do is the pivot. Cause it's I guess quicker. it might just be easier for people to learn the crossover at a younger age, and then you can kind of graduate into the pivot. But, I mean, it's really whatever works best for you at the end of the yeah. day. Yeah, same thing with sliding, left versus right. Just depends on comfort. Yeah, um, definitely. We but don't yeah, see no. a ton of head-first slides, but, you know when broken out and done right they're a huge asset especially when you can do the swim tag and everything yeah mostly in the i'd say probably in the home they're the best asset sometimes in the third depending on where the ball is getting thrown into mm-hmm. like i know some base coaches are like they'll have a signal for head first versus feet first which is interesting that's a cool thing too um just based on like if the ball's at the bottom of the base maybe go head first to the outside of the bag something like that or feet first if the ball's high something like that yeah that's a good way to think about it um and i'm sure coaches probably do have that planned out but sometimes players mindsets will just take over and they won't even notice the signal so yeah as long as they know how to do both that's all that matters yeah and i mean his three stolen bases he had he got thrown out on he had four but he got thrown out on one by a lot so and that one he just had a bad jump so i mean like we said there's a margin for error if you're if you can understand the jump and the fast with track but it's not that big of a margin where you can get a bad jump and still be safe yeah if you're jacoby ellsbury well old jacoby ellsbury you can get away with that all the time but a guy like that that has to make the most of the skill set that he has he's doing the best he can but sometimes you're you're powerless to it if you don't get a good jump yeah exactly i mean he clearly plays with a chip on his shoulder he's not a tall guy he's probably six foot so he's not huge but he's just dedicated cares about the whoop bands just shows that. I mean, 
those guys, all the guys who wear those, uh, a lot of guys in the MLB who wear those are good baseball players because they care about the mental side. Oh, yeah. It's an awesome technology, and I need to do more research on it myself. But from everything he described and you've said, it seems like something everybody should be looking into. There's no reason not to. I mean, if it's if it's a tool available for you, why not take advantage of it? I, I completely agree. Everything that we have available to us, why? It costs money, but if you if you can afford it, yeah, why not? And I mean, if you're doing this well in college, you have hopes of going on down the road, so you can reimburse yourself later. I was gonna say he's already getting tagged and getting MLB draft tags from that weekend. So it's awesome. Um, I really hope that that works out for him because he's a guy. If I were a GM, I'd love to have on my team. Yeah, and we can say we had him on the podcast. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. We can. We can look back on it when he's in the All-Star game. Yeah. Starting second baseman. Third shortstop, sorry. I'm still used to. Maybe both. Well, you never know what happens in majors, but yeah, it's possible. He, he, he'll just be Javi Baez, switch back and forth. Hey, he's uh, he's not too shabby at either of those. <laughs> yeah. I liked how he, I also liked how he talked about how he's a fan of baseball, because, I mean, aren't we all? Mm-hmm. But... And then he talked about Tatis and Trout because, I mean, Tatis could become the second to Trout, theoretically. I still think it's Soto, then Acuna, then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you, you think similar, but Tatis as a shortstop is insane, and Trout as a baseball player is insane. And that's someone you want to model your game after, for sure. Oh, no doubt. And Trout's been around for a long time, so we've all been fortunate enough to grow up watching him and now in college, still watching them be even better than ever. But um, yeah, as you said, Tatis has potential to be one of the all-time greats. He's shown flashes of it. Well, I guess more than flashes, but he's he's definitely he's together. shown what he can do. He just needs to prove it through the full season now. And assuming he can do that, which I have no doubts that he can, but just to be safe, um, if he can do that throughout 2021, then count me all in on the Tatis hype train. I completely agree. And I mean, Trout, I feel like we almost take for granted at this point. He's been in the league for 11 years. I can't even believe that. Or maybe 10 years, something like that. Yeah, it came but, up in 2011, first full season in 2012. So, so about right. Yeah. But I mean, he's just like, he's someone we take, like, we just think, we just know he's there. But I feel like we should be appreciating his greatness more. Oh, you're right. I mean, one of the all-time greatest players is his career is unfolding in front of us. And we have all these discussions about his marketing and West Coast and Angels not being in the playoffs and that none of that helps. Um, but regardless, he should be the guy we have our eyes on every night because he's one hell of a special talent. Yeah. And I mean, like Justin said, he's super humble. So that's probably doesn't help with the marketing side, even though the MLB could still push it if they wanted to. And he just doesn't have to like have a deal with he could just ignore it which i'm sure he'd be fine with but i don't know that's the mlb we know the mlb is all messed up with marketing so <laughs> just imagine mike trout with a fernando tatis personality doing bat flips on 3-0 counts and everything could you imagine i mean I don't that's think we would ever stop talking about him i mean i feel like there's a few guys at their peak we could say we're close to that like jose bautista that home run that was that's peak baseball. That was electric. Yeah, that's peak that, baseball. Was peak baseball that, or what happened next year in Texas with Odor? Because that was entertaining I mean, too. 
just maybe Jose Bautista in like from like 2010 to 2015 peak baseball. Yeah, I mean, exactly. He didn't have those chart expectations. He came maybe. in as a guy that was like utility player, and then he's like, okay, I'm going to start hitting 50 home runs a year. You like that? Yeah, Miggy's another guy. When he went triple crown, he was having fun with the game. He's still having fun. See him in that yeah. rundown the other day? He just ran across the field. I would love to see Miggy have a nice little vintage throwback this year. I mean, he can still hit for average, but, you know, it's it's sad to see power. guys like that get older. Yeah, him and Pujols. I mean, two Pujols of the guys. actually having a nice spring. Uh, you know, take spring numbers with a grain of salt, but I would love to see that translate. I mean, so would the Angels. <laughs> yeah really with that um, contract they're they're paying him enough but yeah i mean there were rumors that he was going to retire his wife posted that thing and then he denied it so we'll see it would be cool to see him wrap up his career in st louis next year depends on the national league dh and if the cardinals are interested in doing that but that would be a fun thing to see so i hope that he can have a good enough year this year that we can get one more year of grandpa albert <laughs> yeah i completely agree it's be great for baseball. Yeah. Um, speaking of great for baseball, one uh, one note on college at the end of this episode. Last week, if you listened, Kobe uh, had a little take where we were discussing Vanderbilt, and we had decided that once again we thought Kumar was the number one overall pick. He says the only way Letter can surpass him if he throws a no hitter or a perfect game or something. The next oh. day, Colby, want to tell us what happened? <laughs> So we recorded Friday night as Rocker was um, striking out 56% of the batters he faced. And I said, well, he's very good. The next day at, I believe, 2 o'clock start time, Jack Leiter starts. First SEC start of his career where everyone said, let's see him against an SEC team. Goes against number 16, I believe, South Carolina. I think so, yeah. It was either 16 or 13. And um, proceeds to have 16 Ks and throw a no-hitter. He would have had a perfect game, too, if not for one pitch that just missed down at the knees in the first inning with the walk. Just, but, hey. just an incredible performance. I mean, if anybody out there hasn't watched it, or at least go check out the highlights, just see how electric it was. And it was really oh. cool for me seeing the side-by-side of him and Al Leiter when he threw his no-hitter. Yeah. Uh, their and mechanics me, look pretty similar, just a nerd. Right, exactly. And let me add, um, all 16 strikeouts were on fastballs um mostly 97 the final one was on 96 so he clearly has the stamina to go the distance and he has the fastball with the velocity not as much as kumar but i mean 97 isn't bad oh no that'll play especially as a starter yeah it's only the yeah. sales and the grams of the world they can get it up there throughout nine innings so if, if he's doing that in college got to assume he'll just get better as the year goes on and my god if he gets better watch out um yeah i'd say so his yeah. only knock is he's 511 it's the only knock hey there's been guys that can succeed marcus stroman taking that uh what's his phrase uh heart Tim. height doesn't matter heart um so heart yeah yeah heart i got matters. that right heart over height yeah Tim Lincecum, another guy. He's true. He was five nine though, so he was even smaller. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll take a couple Cy Youngs out of Jack. I think he can do that. Oh, and we Cy forgot Youngs, to even, we forgot to even mention um, 
golden spikes of the week last year. Jack Leiter won it, obviously. I mean, I know Heider's going to win it. But Justin, from a mid-major at Fairfield, got 9% of the vote, which is incredibly impressive to even be mentioned. Oh, yeah. I mean, all those voters usually just focused on the SEC. So to have a guy like him be recognized for what he's doing, that's awesome. And once again, big-time props to him for that. Um, but, yeah, that's that's a great honor. And even if it's, you know, you try to block out the media noise, that's something that will it's got to give you confidence, feeling good going to the next game. Like, all right, look at this. I'm getting this recognition. I can do that. Yeah, he um, – he, I mean, he had that series, and I mean, we swept them, and they're supposedly they were preseason number two in the MAC. So that's not a bad weekend overall for Fairfield and for him. Not at all. Doing exactly what you needed to do, uh, proving yourself right out of the gate. So can't get much of a better start than that. I'd say so. Now it's just continuing on. Yeah, and speaking of great starts, on Tuesday we had an awesome day here at Connecticut. Uh, you. UConn here in Connecticut too. Um, we opened up Elliott Ballpark. Um, such a beautiful place. My it's God. Very uh, beautiful. Go check out my tweet from the other day if you haven't seen it. Uh, just a nice looking over the ballpark for my perch uh, running our video operations in the press box. But um, it was awesome. Um, such a beautiful place. Uh, be- nice weather day too. Um, kind of emotional for a lot of people that have been dedicated to this program for such a long time to see it come to fruition uh it's something that our coaches have been looking forward to for about 20 years now so it's been a long time coming um but it was a it was a pitcher's duel uh central connecticut did a nice job of holding us at bay um our offense had just beaten up st joe's and done a nice job against texas tech as well uh shout out to kyler fedco big east player of the week two weeks in a row he is absolutely killing it um after he had a uh, a really, it wasn't the start he was looking for, but he grinded and worked super hard. So love to see that pay off. But anyway, on Tuesday, uh, Pat Gallagher fired five innings, only gave up one or two hits, I think, struck out nine. Um, and then the bullpen did their job, uh, two nothing victory. Um, so yeah, just just a nice way to open up the new barn, and we got URI coming in this weekend. So take a look at that if you have not. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw an article that said Coach Penders got really choked up when he saw uh, Calhoun in the crowd. Yeah. Because um, he's like, I should be at year games. You shouldn't be at mine, which is just a great story to hear about. And uh, Penders also said that Pat could be a weekend starter if he has a few more starts like that, which is awesome for a sophomore like that. Yeah, he's he looked awesome. Um, I love what he can bring to the table. He's got funky arm action he's got some really good extension it's got to be tough for a hitter to pick up so he has a bright future for us um and nice to see him making an impact even early on um he had said in our post-game interview as well that uh they were coaches were eyeing him to start the Elliott ballpark opener that was supposed to be last year so it's cool that he still got that opportunity this year even with everything that's happened yeah that's that is awesome um any pitcher that has flexibility in the elbow like that, as long as they stay healthy, is going to be a good pitcher. Yeah. Example, Kumar Rocker. Yeah. So, not hey, that's not a bad trajectory. Yeah. I will. I, I can't wait to tell him that he's getting Kumar comps from you. <laughs> I'm sure he'd appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. 
it, it was an awesome day and I'm, I'm really looking forward to working there this season. Yeah. Is that picture you sent me? Just, I mean, it looks beautiful. Mm. Props to uh, the construction department and everything. They did one hell of a job. I'd say so. And the turf looks awesome with the two different lines. Looks cool. I wasn't so sure about the turf at first, but because, you know, we prefer just a regular baseball field. There are a lot of us do, but having seen it in play now, no complaints from me. It it played fine and it looks absolutely beautiful. The maintenance is so much easier. We don't have to worry about, you know, snow outs and rain outs. I mean, to a point if it's going crazy, but a field can absorb a lot more than dirt and mud. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I was reading something that said they got some new fancy turf too that makes it have truer bounces or whatever so it yeah, plays I was better surprised than like how turf well it played the first time i was on it so yeah it's not like turf turf where it just like you can read everything it kind mm-hmm. of plays closer to grass which is kind of like what they have uh, in arlington now so that's cool yeah. very true um best of both worlds really so that's uh, cool to have in the northeast too for sure yeah it's desperately needed up here so we could get this at every college the world would be a beautiful place yeah the south can have the grass because they don't need turf but the yeah. north the north needs turf exactly when it's uh 75 degrees and sunny every day we're not going to waste money on turf for you yeah looking at you wake forest with that yellow infield it's gross yeah i mean they have the pitching lab though so that's true it they do have out. it uh, i, I Vandy, want that Vandy pitching lab so bad that pitching lab is cool. I don't know how they – I want to use it. I'm not going to lie. Can we let managers go throw some bullpens in there? I think Ole Miss installed something similar too last year, which I want to use as well. Yeah. They got like a – it's a double mound too. Now you're I don't know how that works. Before, colleges were kind of taking the lead, but now you're seeing that um, with the Yankees have some college pitching coaches working for former college pitching coaches working with them. They have the the gas station at their facility in Tampa that has all those technologies. So it's taken over the game, but it's a good takeover because it's some really cool stuff, what it's capable yeah. of doing. I mean, also with the MLB, I've noticed more, they're installing all those technologies in like their Dominican facilities and their spring training facilities, not really in there normal facilities which is interesting but it kind of makes sense because of rehab and all that yeah and then plus you can get guys on it right as they walk in the door for the first time yeah exactly and then once they're in the once the season starts if they need to if they need something it's just a flight away and they're if they need it that bad they're going on the il or whatever anyway yeah um you know the day-to-day basis it's tough to keep up with getting all that analysis but uh yeah it's great that they have that resource available for them whenever they need to access it. Yeah. That's the whole point of spring training anyways, to get that data and understand what it means. The regular season is more to execute that data and perform. Yeah, exactly. Most thing you're the most paying attention to is just your video in the regular season, checking out your mechanics, but you know, teams do have the, the edutronics and such to record the bullpens and analyze the path of the ball. Yeah, they got that's, the, that's my personal favorite technology for sure. They got the portable models. stuff. Yeah. The, which, I mean, I'd love to have that too, but can't have everything. Yep. Uh, maybe, maybe we can get pitching labs installed at our schools. I mean, you got that new camera, so you're getting closer. Yeah. 
that is true. Nice system, uh, for sure. Yeah, I got my own. I do my own video camera, but it's not fancy. It's just it's me getting cool. done, the It's just me getting good. different angles that the players like. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot to mention too to Justin. All four of his home runs, I didn't get a single one on video because the fir- one, two of them were like the first pitch of the at bat, so I wasn't ready. And two of them were later in the at-bat, so I was just like, well, nothing's going to happen in this at-bat. So from now on, I've told him I'm just going to have the camera continuously running during his at-bats. Oh, absolutely. Cover your... Yeah, like, probably. you can't turn it off. He's He must watch now. Yeah. I'm surprised they pitched to him the second day. If I were them, I wouldn't. <laughs> I'd give I'm... them David Ortiz game six of the 2013 World Series treatment. Just we're not going to let this guy beat us again. I'd give him the Barry Bonds against Arizona treatment. Bases loaded, walk him. Hey, I'd rather give up one run than four. Considering they their closest game was 6-3, then 7-4, then they lost 13-3, then 8 nothing. I'd say, you know, having him not beat you, considering he drove in nine runs, you know, that'd probably be a smart idea. But what do I know? Yeah, you know, that's the coaches. We're just we're just the managers. But personally, I wouldn't. <laughs> Granted, the guy before him was hitting bombs. The guy after him was hitting driving in runs like crazy. So it it's tough. Yeah, that's that's true. That's obviously a factor to take in. But it seems like he was he was king of the weekend. Yeah, it's I'd rather get beat with singles than home runs. Yeah, definitely. For sure. It'd be a beautiful thing for you anyway. They pitch around him and then the other guys do the damage. So win win. <laughs> yeah, maybe more runs score. Just yeah, bases loaded single scores two runs. Yeah. It works too. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad at all. We didn't have any pitchers duels though. It's kind of disappointing. Only only electric shows. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, well. Yeah. So uh, unless you had anything else, that's that's all I got for this episode. But it was a great wow. one talking to Justin. And we're wishing him the best for this season. Um, he's certainly capable of some special things. So here's to him keeping that up. For sure. It was really insightful to see the inside what his life is during both the in-season uh, day-to-day life as well as off-season, what he does for training what he did during COVID, all that. Um, Next week, we're going to get back to college baseball talk, of course. Uh, Maybe next week's going to be start MLB, so probably have some of that for you. Um, And we got a surprise that we're not going to reveal yet. You're going to have to tune into the YouTube next week when the show's posted to see that one. Eyes emoji. Maybe have a special guest, too. We don't know yet, but have to tune in. and any guys, any questions you guys have, tweet us at Beyond the DAA Pod or DM us on Instagram at Beyond the Diamond Podcast. See you next time on Beyond the Diamond. Thank you. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later.